Welcome to the Lion's Roar Dharma Center podcast from Dona Darge Temple. This public talk by a student of Lama Yeshe Jinpa was recorded during a regularly scheduled Sunday service. I have, dry, I have very dry mouth. I've had sinus problems. <laughs> so, pardon me if my voice breaks and so forth. Uh, my name is uh, Yeshe Sangma that I usually answer to Dirk Johnson. So you can call me whatever you want. I'll probably even answer to Derek or Kirk or Dirk or Jerk or whatever. Um, Lama asked me Wednesday night <laughs> to do this talk and I, I, by text, actually Patty texted me. But she was with Lama at the time. <laughs> so anyway, um, so it's not, nothing special here that I'm here, see. Um, at first I thought, oh yeah, that, that'll be easy. Baba Sambhava, it's easy for me. I know. Well, that's part of the problem, <laughs> is that I can talk forever about Guru Rinpoche. And, and so uh, focusing it was the issue for me. Uh, not that I know a lot, I don't really know a lot. And Guru Rinpoche is what we call him the earliest translators into English translated uh, Padmakara, it's the Sanskrit, means lotus-born. Pema Jungne is the Tibetan, it means also lotus-born. It's their translation of the, of the Sanskrit. But the early uh, translators decided, into English, decided that they wanted to translate all of those words as Padmasambhava. Padmasambhava is one of the eight manifestations of Guru Rinpoche. Most of the Tibetans call him Guru Rinpoche, actually. They'll often just call him Pema. If you just see Pema in a prayer, you're talking about Guru Rinpoche. Um, and I've had a lot of... My, my path has been completely intertwined with Guru Rinpoche. So probably I would say that if you had the opportunities that I've had to uh, meet with and practice with some of the greatest lamas of the 20th century, that you'd already be enlightened. Whereas I am not, because I'm, I'm a tough case. I'm a difficult case. And part of the reason I'm such a difficult case is because I was brought up so firmly with empirical materialism. And that's a hard one to shake. If you've got a very scientific mind, if you've got a mathematical mind, it's pretty hard to shake that and walk into the Vajrayana path without a lot of, you know, struggle. So, I'm, I'm a str I've struggled with it all of along. <coughs> um, and so, uh, also, I want to paraphrase, Sally Natsak Rongdral one of the great uh, Nyingma masters, who said, even though you, you might think that I'm talking about Guru Rinpoche here, I'm talking about Guru Rinpoche, so I must be some old, ignorant, old, old, yeah, I'm getting old, old, ignorant Nyingmapa. And most of my practice background is Nyingma. But uh, I refer you to the picture that you have on the paper that was handed out. I downloaded that from the uh, Gulugpa F. PMT website, Lama Zopa's uh, page specifically, his page where he's fundraising to build uh, uh, Guru Rinpoche statues all over the world. So it's not just a Nyingmapa thing. In fact, none of us would be here today on this path anyway if it weren't for Guru Rinpoche. Um, so that kind of sums up my talk. Shakyamuni Buddha was the, you know, Shakyamuni Buddha brought, brought, brought the Buddha Dharma to the earth. Guru Rinpoche brought the Buddha Dharma to Tibet. And that's where we got the Buddha Dharma from. So, without Guru Rinpoche, we don't have the, that Buddha Dharma. We might be walking some other paths. I don't know. We wouldn't be here with a great uh, Tibetan lineage lama, Yeshe Jinpa, who, uh, I really have studied with some of the great, some great masters. I mean, they're truly widely recognized as such. Chagdut Rinpoche, indisputable. No, nobody disputes his mastery. 
as a Dzogchen master. Uh, Kempo Jerme Trinle was my second teacher my, with whom I became actually closer than I did with uh, uh, Chagdad Rinpoche. Because Chagdad Rinpoche, when I met him in New York City, uh, he, he almost, he very shortly went to Brazil, so I only saw him about four times a year until he died. But uh, Kempo uh, Gurme Trinle, who uh, Chagdad Rinpoche brought to the United States, uh, they had to ask the king of Bhutan to release Kempo from his duties because he was the head of the Queen Mother's Monastery and he's the root teacher of the Queen Mother of Bhutan. So it was a bit of a struggle getting him here and he came while Chagdad Rinpoche was alive and I did not meet Kempo at that time. Uh, I was attending a, uh, an empowerment with uh, Pema Norbu Rinpoche, Pina Rinpoche, the head of the Pahyal sect of uh, Tibetan Buddhism who has passed away recently. Um, and in walks this monk like he owns the place. I mean, the, it, he, had, he, had begun, he had begun a high empowerment, a, maha, a, a highest yoga tantra empowerment. In, the doors open, in walks this guy like he owns the place in monk's robe. He walks up and they talk. He talks to Pina Rinpoche. There are about 400 people here. Mm. He walks up, he talks to Pina Rinpoche. Pina Rinpoche interrupts the, the thing. And then he goes over and there is a row of Kempos, which are Kempos like a geshe. Kempos, you know, a, a scholar in the Nyingma tradition as opposed to the Gwogpa tradition. All of the Kempos move over and, and Kempo Gurmitrinli takes the, the lead spot. So at the break, I walked up to him and I said, uh, so what are you, some kind of important guy or something? And he just started laughing. He laughed and he gave me his card. He said, he said give me your number, give me your number. I gave him my phone number, and the next day he called me. You come. You come over to my house. So I, I, be, I became a student, and that's how he was with me always. You do this. You do that. And he also did pay me the highest honor it's possible to receive from him. He said, you kampa, like me, kampa. Kam is the wild men of eastern Tibet, and that's where he came from. He left there on a when he was nine years old with the Chinese army chasing him with a thousand people. They let him ride a horse because he was nine and he was a tolku. But only a hundred of those thousand people made it alive to pay my so. Yes, Elizabeth? I will. I wanted, what, what I'm trying to do is establish that I actually have a reason to have a high opinion of Lama Yeshe Jinpa. To me, Lama, Lama they're, they're Jagged Rinpoche, Kempo Gyurme Rinpoche, my heart, my heart, my heart with them always, but Lama Jinpa is, they're, they're, is, is one of them. He's, he's, he's not inferior to them. So, this is where I'm starting from here. Um, and now to what Elizabeth requested. Uh, the Tibetan Empire in the 7th century was the most powerful empire in Central Asia. They were a very warlike people. They had powerful armies. Um, and then in the 7th century, King Songsen Jampo, I, said, I might have gotten that wrong, sorry, I, I always tend to mess up his name. Songsen, Songsen Jampo, I think. Anyway, he, he uh, created, that up until this time they didn't even have a written language. They didn't have a written language. He collected the smart kids in Tibet, sent them to India to study Sanskrit. They came back and they created an alphabet for the Tibetans based on the Sanskrit. Two kings later, one in between, uh, Sungsen Gampo also built, uh, they say, 100, 108 uh, temples in Tibet. But, he, but, but Buddhism didn't take hold. It was a shamanistic culture, uh, and, and that's what they believed. They believed in their shamanistic rites and worldview. Uh, then King Trisong Detson took the throne at the age of 15. He uh, decided that he was 
going to uh, bring Buddhism to Tibet in a real way. It went, by the time he reached the age of 20, he decided that he convinced the ministers that he was going to build a monastery. He told the ministers they had a choice. He'd either build the first monastery in Tibet with a temple complex of multi many, many temples, or they could run the Brahmaputra River through, through uh, copper tubes, or they could fill up a, a, a canyon with gold. Their choice, which one they wanted to do. So they decided that they would support him on building the monastery. And so when he decided he wanted, this is all, uh, I'm sorry, in order to talk about Guru Rinpoche, I have to start, kind of start here. I could, uh, because, because I'm talking about the establishment of Buddhism here more than I am about the mystical side. I'm not qualified to talk about the mystical side. I could talk about Guru Rinpoche's birth and all of that, but uh, you should hear that from a qualified master rather than from me. So I'm going to stick with the history here. Uh, King Trisong Detson then invited uh, uh, Shantarakshita. Shantarakshita had been, was an old man. He, he was, especially for, for any time he was old. I, I believe he was in his 70s. I'm not sure, uh, but he was definitely older than I am, and I'm an old man. So I'm 65, so. Uh, I'm officially an old man. And, uh, but King Trisong Detson invited him to come to Tibet, and he came to Tibet to establish the first monastery in Tibet. All of the monks in Tibet have find the, the, he established the Vinaya, which is the monastic code. He ordained the first monks in Tibet, Shantarakshita did. And our medicine Buddha that we do at this temple comes from Shantarakshita. It goes all the way back, that's the eighth century, 700s in Tibet. He was a master of Nalanda, uh, a Nalanda master. He was a master of sutra. And they don't even call him, uh, in, in, in the texts, which I'll show you later, they don't even call him Shantarakshita. They call him Kempo Bodhisattva. However, they started building this temple. And whatever they built kept getting destroyed. They'd work on it all day. In the morning, they'd come and it'd all be undone. Now, the, the, of course, the histories, the Tibetan histories, the earliest one I know of was written in the 12th century, which is four centuries later. It's called The Lotus Born. The cover no longer looks like this. This is the first edition. And I've read it too many times. Um, the Lotus Born, The Life of Pamasambhava, and then the other one is uh, that I, this is really an epic poem, The Life and Liberation of uh, Pamasambhava. Notice they translated it as Bhamas and Baba, so people know what they were talking about. Um, this one was written in, in 1336, so about 50 years before Tsongkhapa was born. 30 years before Tsongkhapa was born. Um, Chantarakshita said, well, I, I, don't, I, I, I don't have the power to, to build this monastery in the face of what's going on here. You have to invite... Padmakara to come here. He's the only one who can do this. Otherwise, we'll never be able to do this. And so he sent gold, and he sent he sent gold. And according to according to this story, because there are different versions, according to this story, he sent gold, and he sent uh, three emissaries, and the emissaries gave Guru Rinpoche the gold, and he said, "That's not enough." And they took off their clothes and gave him their clothes. He said, that's not enough. And he said, well, we give you our bodies. We give you our hearts. And he said, okay, okay. I just needed to make sure that you really wanted me to come. And then he took almost, a, 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 according to different accounts, he took a long time to go there. And the reason it took a long time, there are two reasons. One, it was a long distance and he walked. But the other reason is, on his way, he subjugated all of the demons and the spirits of Tibet. He, he, he had the Dakinis, the, the Bajra one-eyed Dakinis took two mountains and tried to crush them between the mountains and instead he, he subjugated them and put them under oath to become protectors of the Dharma. So he did this all the way to Lhasa. When he got to Lhasa, they started building the temple. 
and it went pretty rapidly. And when he met the king, this is the other, <laughs> when he got to Lhasa, the king uh, looks at him and he, the king says, he's going to have to bow to me, I'm the king. And Guru Rinpoche said, I know this is going to upset people, but there's no way I'm bowing to the king. The king has to bow to me. So they stood there and looked at each other for a little while. According, according, to, according to this text, Guru Rinpoche did a long, a long teaching about where he came, came from and who he was. I, I, I basically saying that he is the universe when it all boils down. I am, I am an old woman. I am an old man. I'm a, I'm, I'm a, I'm a thief. I'm a saint. You know, he basically goes through everything he could be. Uh, King Trisong Detson relents and, and bows. And Bhadmasambhava says, it's a good thing you did that because all I have to do is this and I'll, you know, you're done. So he burnt. The story is that he opened up his hand and just scorched the king's robes. So the seven-line prayer, though, so that's, how, that's, that's the coming to Tibet, and I'm sorry I'm not, probably not telling the wild mystical stories of Guru Rinpoche that maybe you would like to hear, but they're all in these books, so you can read them. Uh, the seven-line prayer, he taught the t- to the Tibetans. Um, and I have a personal story on that, because this, that's where I, st- where I started to start, is I read in a book, I read the... Vajra Guru Mantra, which is Oma Hum Benzaguru Pema Sidi Hum, is how the Tibetans say it. Written in Sanskrit, it looks like Oma Hum, Oma Hum Vajra Guru Padma Sidi Hum. So I learned it like that because I didn't have any teacher. And I learned it and I yearned. I really, 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 really wanted, I, I, I couldn't believe that I was ever going to meet a qualified master of Vajrayana Buddhism. I thought it would never happen. I thought it was just impossible. And I started doing the Vajraguru Mantra just constantly. I just did it constantly. Very, very focused on wanting to have a master. Man, it was almost like, I think it was like two months later, I stumbled into an empowerment with Nyosho Kempo Rinpoche, one of the great lamas. Of, well, I mean, Nyosho Kempo Rinpoche is the Dzogchen master of Dzogchen master. He's a very close friend of Chagdut Rinpoche. And uh, he gave me the Guru Rinpoche empowerment. And during that empowerment, I had just flown in from a business trip to San Francisco. This was in New York City. And I had an impacted tooth. And I was in just a lot of pain. And plus, I was just freaked out that I was in this crowd of people sitting on the floor. I had a pillow from my bed that I was sitting on. And uh, they started doing the Vajraguru mantra, Oma Hum Benzaguru Pema Siddhi Hung, and I'm going, what is that? What is that? What is that? Then I realized it was Oma Hum Vajraguru Padma Siddhi Hung, and I started laughing, and my impacted tooth cleared up. It turns out, in one of the texts, one of the biographies of Guru Rinpoche, he taught the seven-line prayer and the Vajraguru Mantra to the Tibetans. And he left Tibet, and he came back a few years later and said, okay, sing it to me. And they sang it, Oma Hum Benzaguru Pema Siddhi Hum. And he had an impacted tooth. And when they said it that way to him, he started laughing, and his impacted tooth cleared. So I found out this many years later. So so in my, you know, as an empirical materialist, I didn't, I I never gave this any credit, no credit at all. There was no credit to this, you know. Look at the circumstance of what occurred. You know, I went from from never having met anybody who practiced any, well, aside from Nichiren Buddhists and, uh, Zen Buddhist, but no Tibetan Buddhist. I'd never met anybody at all in any way associated with Tibetan Buddhism. 
And in two months, I'm getting, I received the empowerment from Yoshul Kempo. And like a couple of months, two or three months later, I meet Chagdad Rinpoche, who says, you have empowerment. I said, well, sheepishly, I have a Guru Rinpoche empowerment. Who? Who gave you? Yoshul Kempo. Oh, okay! And he just, he, and then he, 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 he gave me the whole path. Right there, right then. He just downloaded it. Talk really fast. Anyway, so that's my relationship with it. <clears throat> and so to continue the story of uh, the establishment of Buddhism in Tibet, Padmasambhava had 25 disciples, and this book actually has pictures of them all, paintings of every one of them, which is kind of cool. I can't see them from back there. That's one of my favorite ones right there, Yudra Nyingpo. So here's the story of Yudra Nyingpo. Uh, Guru Rinpoche was going all over Tibet, uh, helping build new monasteries and establish uh, practices and build and hiding treasures, hi hiding texts for future people to find. And so the king says, "Well, we need." Uh, we need a preceptor. We need, we need a Vajrayana master in the in in the temple in Samye. Uh, so he sends to Tibet, and he asks, "Who is the greatest Vajrayana master in India?" And then the, they were sent to uh, not to Nalanda this time. They were sent to the. Uh, uh, Oh, come on. Can you help me with the name of the other monastery? I just suddenly lost it. I am sorry. I should have written it down. I never thought that I would forget it. Anyway, there's a, the, other major, the other major university, Buddhist university in India. Uh, Vimalamitra was there. And when they came in and they said, who's the greatest Pandit here? Everybody, there were 500 monks, and they all looked at Vimalamitra, <laughs> including the abbot. Everybody just looked at So they uh, made a deal with Vimalamitra. Vimalamitra went to Tibet. And he started, but meanwhile in Tibet, what had happened is one, Vairochana, one of the great translators, who also studied in India and studied under Guru Rinpoche and is one of Guru Rinpoche's students, had started teaching the advanced, te the, the uh, highest, highest yoga tantra, we would call it, and the resultant vehicle, Dzogchen. And for this, the, uh, he was exiled. He was exiled by the ministers. Now, I think the reason he was exiled is because they didn't like hearing things that would have caused, forced them to change. They liked the, you know, American mindfulness meditation, and they were happy with that. They didn't want to hear about some stuff that was going to make them view the world differently than they already viewed it. In any case, they exiled Vairochana for teaching that. And uh, Vimalamitra arrives there, and that's what he was planning to teach. But, so he doesn't teach that. He's got very much the same predicament that Lama Jinpa has. People don't want to hear about it. They want to hear about, you know, how to feel better. So, he teaches that. But he's always walking around, he's always unhappy. <laughs> he's just... And so, uh, Vairochana says to Yudra Nyingpo, the one I showed you the picture of, says, what are they doing in Lhasa? And he says, well, this is what's going on. They're teaching the causal vehicle. Well, we need to shake that up a little bit. You need to go. You need to go there and give them a hard time. So Yudra Ningpo takes off all of his clothes. He takes a stick, and he rides it like it's a horse. And he's got he's got he's got the Dzogchen tantras stuck in his hair, and he's got a bunch of bunch of scarves and stuff, and a sword. And he goes riding, he goes, he goes running in, naked, riding, like he's riding a horse, and, and into, into Samye, right in front, where the king's sitting, and Vimalamitra's sitting, 
and they're sitting there, and he says, Datim, Datim, he's yelling at him, and then he turns around and he leaves, and Vimalamitra smiles. And the king says, the whole time you've been here, you've never once smiled. So what, why did you smile at that? He goes, it makes me happy that there is a practitioner like that in this dark land. So, this, is, this is the Vajrayana. We're breaking, breaking, not, it, it's, it's not what you think, ever. It's never what you think. Um, anyway, I think I've talked enough. I can talk plenty more. But is there anybody want to say anything or have any questions or comments? Connor, oh, you should take the mic. What does datin mean? I'm sorry, he said kakapati. I'm stand corrected. Does that solve it for you? No. <laughs> what does that mean? <laughs> Yeah, the king asked, what did it mean when the yogi said, kakapari, kakapari? Vimalamitra replied, replied, he was talking about the teachings, saying, Buddhahood is not attained through the immature teachings of the shravakas. A great distance is not traversed by the gate of a crow. Without teaching the resultant vajra vehicle, what is the use of teaching the vehicle of cause? And then... Uh, Vimalamitra answered the kakapuri with datin, datin. So I apologize. Uh, well, King Trisong Detson said, Why did you say datin, datin, Master? Vimalamitra replied, It meant that all the teachings are the realization of the victorious ones and are without duality, just like the nature of molasses or salt. All the Buddha Dharma is devoid of duality. Now that molasses or salt is kind of hard for us to understand because it's not our type of analogy, but what that means is that salt always tastes like salt. Molasses always tastes like molasses. I'm sorry? One taste. Yeah. Those are both available at the Ice Cream Social, by the way. <laughs> Elizabeth, you take the define what zokshin is. <laughs> I I, ca- I can't define zokshin. I can I can place it in context. Place it in context. Uh, zokshin is a. Uh, primarily practiced in the Nyingma school. I mean, there are people in other schools who practice it, but it's the Nyingma school that maintains it as a tradition, as a school. And if you study in the so-called, uh, the, 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 in the history of Tibet, of course, these people that we're talking about, they're the Nyingma school. Uh, there was no other school, and they didn't call themselves Nyingma. They just called themselves the Buddhists. They didn't even call themselves that. They called themselves the uh, inward-looking practitioners. So uh, it wasn't for a couple of centuries uh, until you know more texts were gotten from Tibet, and they were brought by Marpa the translator. Although texts were brought all along, but, but there was another big infusion. And from Marpa the translator, Milarepa became his student, uh, and then Milarepa became an enlightened, the first probably indigenously enlightened uh, being in Tibet. Uh, and from him, the Kaju school, and Gompopa, his student, the Kaju school was formed. And so the Kaju school uh, uh, becomes, who the Kaju still are very much like the Nyingma, very, very much maintained about Guru Rinpoche practice. And between the Kaju and the Nyingma, there's a lot of intermixing because they both tended to be in eastern Tibet, so they tend to practice each other's stuff a lot. Um, 
And then there were other schools. Then, then the Shakya school formed, and I'm sorry I can't give you the exact detail of how the Shakya school formed. Uh, they, they were formed more as a... Uh, uh, They were sort of more like Martin. They were, they were, they were, they were trying to reform the mon monastic world of the excesses of the Vajrayana, Nyingma Vajrayana wild men. And so they established a more scholastic and more monastic. The, the, both the Kaju and the, and the Nyingma have a lot of lay practitioners who are considered great realized beings. The Shakya returned it more to the monasteries. And they also created a more scholarly tradition. And Tsongkhapa studied with all of the schools, but his main teachers were Shakya teachers. So he became, he became, he also was focused more on, 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 on monastic discipline uh, on the, on the, uh, and on the scholarship, scholarly side. Anyway, so those three schools are called Sarma, Sarma schools. So the new schools, it means the new schools. Nyingma just means the old school, basically. <laughs> the ancients, the old guys. So it's the Nyingma and the Sarma. Uh, in the Nyingma, in the Sarma, I'm going to start with the Sarma, because that's where we are, and that's mostly what you're going to hear at this temple, is you're going to hear the four divisions of Tantra. Right? I'm not going to talk about the lower three at all because they're the same. So uh, in, in, the, in the Sarma schools they talk about highest yoga tantra. Highest yoga tantra. In Yingma they don't talk about highest. They do say every now and then they call it highest yoga tantra. You don't read, see it in the text. But if you read a lot of Yingma, they don't talk about highest yoga tantra. They talk about the three highest, the three higher tantras. So they talk about the Maha Yoga Tantra the Anu Yoga Tantra, and the Ati Yoga Tantra. Ati Yoga is Dzogchen. In the Sarma schools, they're the highest Yoga Tantra and Mahamudra. But Mahamudra is not quite as integrated with the Tantric path in the Sarma schools as Dzogchen is in, in Nyingma. It's, it's in, in, in Dzogchen, and mind you, you should, you should not take my word for this. Otherwise, if you're going to take my word for this, I'm not even going to say it. Because I'm just giving you what I... I wasn't even expecting to talk about that at all. So. Uh, Dzogchen is the non-fabricated mind, the nature of mind itself, beyond fabrication. Is that close enough for you? Um, sure, but it, after reading Sankapa and looking at Mipom and knowing very little about Sochin and Mahamudra, are they all heading towards the same goal? In my opinion, yes but they are talking about them in very different ways. One way that I've been trained to look at it, mind you, I did study with a Kempo, so his, you could say that, that, that you're, what you're really talking about is Madhyamika, and then you're saying, what's this other stuff that seems to contradict the Madhyamika, right? Is that what you're saying, kind of? No, but no? I'm trying to figure out is, What's the effing goal here, and is it the same all the way across? And do I well? The goal, the goal might be, but 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 one way of arriving at it uh, is through practicing a thorough analysis of the existential situation. The other way of arriving at it is to also practice that analysis, but to view that analysis that as, as, as insufficient. Uh, and to take that analysis, because that's the, the, we're talking about, 
man, just don't take my word for this, definitely. We're talking about, uh, there, there's the, the objective and the subjective. So, you know, you've got, you've got the philosophical description, the philosophical argumentation, and you also have the experiential uh, engagement. And so, while we're reading mainly Madhyamika texts, what we're getting is that objective. So it can be confusing, because Dzogchen doesn't talk like that. Dzogchen, in, in, in Madhyamaka, number one thing, uh, 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 Nagarjuna, no essence. There is no essence. Nothing has an essence. My highest Dzogchen prayer that I say every day is, the essence, primordially unchanging. Now, if that doesn't confuse you, then you aren't thinking about it. You should be confused. It's good. Just stick with it. Stay. Renee. Hello. Uh, I loved your talk today, by the way. I thought it was a fantastic topic. Um, I was hoping, though, if maybe you, if, if it's possible, if, you know, uh, on the Tonka, I see usually the, the two women underneath uh, Guru Rinpoche. And I was wondering if maybe you could speak a little more. I should more. have talked about Yeshe Tsogyal and Mandariva, especially Yeshe Tsogyal. Everything we know about Guru Rinpoche really comes from Yeshe Tsogyal. Um, it's interesting. How do I read Yeshe because I wasn't following that part of it. I was talking about the establishment. See, Yeshe Sogyal is really, Yeshe Sogyal is after the, what, what I was talking about. Like that, um, Yeshe Sogyal is with Guru Rinpoche while he goes through Tibet. Yeshe Sogyal is putting texts in. She's with him the whole time. She's his consort. Um, she is the expression of his enlightened activity. She is the manifestation of Tara. So this book is written by Yeshe Tsogyal. <coughs> and this book is also written by Yeshe Tsogyal. <laughs> so that's, that's, all, that's all of that for now. <laughs> Unless somebody else has something they would like to say about Yeshe Tsogyal. <coughs> Mandarava, that was his other consort, but I don't know very much about her. Uh, in this statue of Guru Rinpoche, this is Mandarava, his secret consort. break, feel free to come up and look at this. This is actually a, 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 it's not a very large statue, but it's a very good good statue. I'm sorry? Why secret? Well, secret, secret doesn't really so much often mean the way we think of secret. Secret's more like, I don't even know why they translated it secret. Secret's more like inner, it, it's inner, very deeply inner, very close, very near. No, it's not about concealment. Most of the teachings, the, the secret teachings are self-concealed. 
they're secret in that respect of not you, you don't share them with people who aren't prepared for them. Uh, and the reason for that is because it's harm it could harm people. Like if you don't understand, uh, you know what what this you, you see you see a deity with. With, with weapons and flames shooting out, and they're they're in a you know a threatening posture. If you don't understand that, you might think that that's you know in, in encouraging you to be angry and go out and fight. So you could harm yourself and others if you misunderstand. So they're secret. They're secret. But that, and that's an extreme example. I mean, that they're very subtle ways that they're secret. There's also the idea that if you that if you learn ideas that you're not ready for. You will misunderstand those ideas, and then when it's time for you to learn them, they w you, you won't get the impact that you should have had. And so they're, they're also concealed for those reasons. There are, there are concealed reasons, but very often secret, secret is not that. Secret is more of, a, of an idea of, like there's the outer, the inner, and the secret. So, is that? Answer at all, Sue. Are there, <laughs> Thank you. Are there uh, visual characteristics when you see statues or tankas that tell you this is who this is? Yes. Would you tell us some of those, please? Talking about iconography. So when you see oh, well, that, Guru you'll Rim know this Guru, is Guru Guru Rinpoche. Rinpoche. It will be yeah. described in a certain particular way. With particular now this is non-zilnan. So in this, this is a particular form of Guru Rinpoche, where he's holding the Vajra, like this. This is, the, this is the form of Guru Rinpoche that overcomes obstacles. So this this is his this is this is a more this is a power form, and you do believe me, power power is real. The power of this is it's it's very real, and it's dangerous. <laughs> so you know, remember, if you're dealing with power, you're always dealing with danger. Power is always dangerous. You've got a fast car. First time I got on my Yamaha XS11, I almost fell off when I hit the throttle because I wasn't expecting it to have that much power. It's like that with Guru Rinpoche. This is a treasure. He, it's it's a skull uh, a skull cup a kapila, which is the top of the very top of the skull, used as a cup, and inside of that is a treasure vase. So he always has the treasure vase. He always uh, Guru Rinpoche in as, as in this form always has the the katvanga the staff, and it's always got three human heads, which are the past, present, and future. One of them is rotten, one of them is just a skull, and one of them is normal. And this, it's, it's a trident. And of course, he's always got the robes. In this posture, the royal posture, his leg out, not in the, not in the, not in the lotus posture. This is his, the hat, he's always got this kind of a hat. And it usually has a peacock feather coming up off the top, or a vulture feather, depending on the tradition. And of course, the you know the, the, he's a he's a nirmanakaya. Most of these that you see are some bogakaya deities. Guru Rinpoche is nirmanakaya. So he manifests earth. Body, physical body. I'm sorry. Oh, his wide open eyes. Yeah. Well, okay. I, actually, I, I left something out. This paper I handed out. I did mean to point something out about this paper. Speaking of <laughs> that, uh, that statue was made during his lifetime, and it was put in Samye. And when he saw the statue, he said, "Ah, looks like me." And then he blessed it 
put his force into it. And he said, now it is me. And so that stood until the Cultural Revolution when the Chinese destroyed it. This is the only picture of it. It was taken in 1935 by the Queen Mother of Sikkim. Somebody gave her a camera and she took a picture of it. It was in black and white. It was colorized and my printer was running out of ink so it kind of shifted. <laughs> but it's normally, it's, it was just a black and white photo originally. Hmm? I'll get you a better one. There's also, that's also on the frontispiece. Nope, second line. Maybe a better rendition of it. Hmm. Wait a minute. <laughs> there it is. Uh, you can go to the, actually, on the FPMT website, the uh, page that's for uh, building Rinpoche statues, the Lamazova's project for that has the one that I printed, but it'll be more clear. They colorized it based on uh, the memories of llamas who actually saw it in person. I think we should take a break. Until uh, 10 after, I guess. Um, since we're doing Guru Rinpoche, I thought we could do something a little bit different for the meditation. I have two recordings. Uh, so for the meditation, I would like to do the seven-line prayer three times, just that sheet, and then uh, uh, one round of the uh, mala of the uh, Vajra Guru mantra, which is at the bottom of that sheet. But I have two recordings. One, one is a seven-line prayer, Lama Jinpat doing seven-line prayer. And then the second one is uh, Chagdad Rinpoche doing the Vajraguru mantra. And the way I would like to progress with this uh, meditation is that we just, we do the seven-line prayer together three times. We do the uh, Vajraguru mantra together with uh, Chagad Rinpoche, you'll have to bear with me because I'll have to start and stop a little bit. But do Chagad Rinpoche's prayer uh, while he does it. He does it for about two minutes and then I'll finish the ma ma mala off silently. And then we'll say, at the, at the end of the mala, we'll say, Oma Hung Benzaguru Pema Siddhi Hung, and we'll, we'll set for 12 minutes. Okay? I'm not going to ring a bell to start. That's, that's what I'm warning you about. Just when we finish the mantra, we'll sit. <coughs> and so we'll start with uh, Guru, uh, Yeshe, it's called uh, Yeshe Jinpa Guru Rinpoche, see? She is.
This has been a Lion's Roar Dharma Center recording. For more information, visit lionsroardharmacenter.org.